to zoom out there So just be cool, don't speak too loud Try to fit in, but if you don't Then you can be in everyone and welcome to the outfit repeaters an unofficial lizzie mcguire recap podcast i'm your host marissa Cantor, and with me as always is sam chung hello marissa um i had a lot of fun last week when we had two guests on the podcast but this week it will unfortunately just be us so we're really gonna have to pick up the slack i know and it just occurred to me as i was doing the introduction that we may need a new tagline because who are we now? I mean, what are we doing? <laughs> we're still in this world for right now. I mean, obviously we have some, I think, very important things to discuss today. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, maybe not important, but I do think that we have a, 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 good, a good old two for one, um, if, you know, if you know what I'm hinting at. And then obviously next week we, we have something in the Lizzie McGuire universe planned as well. And then after that, it's, it's, uh, it's anybody's guess. Including ours. Including ours, yeah. I have been pondering a lot where to take this podcast next. I have a lot of fun unpacking old decom movies with you that you have never seen. Which is uh, where we are going which today. Which is where we are going today. Yes. So, obviously, we were unsure where we were going to go at the end of the last podcast. But this week, we had an epiphany kind of inspired by something that Jermaine mentioned in the last podcast because we were all like, hey, where's Lelaine? <laughs> and Jermaine told us that apparently Lelaine was not in the Lizzie McGuire movie because she was busy filming the Disney Channel original movie, You Wish, in New Zealand. And of course, <laughs> where did that lead us? <laughs> to the 2003 Disney Channel original movie, You Wish, filmed in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. In retrospect, it feels like a lose-lose because I was expecting a lot more Lelaine than what we got. She is not the protagonist of this movie. She's not the protagonist, but I can see how she would look at it and be like, hey, this is like a little bit of a step up because here she's like a romantic interest, which I feel like is a step up from like quirky best friend. That's true. And who doesn't want to go to Auckland? But the alternative is ro like, I don't think there's a bad option there. It's That's like, true. oh, poor, poor you. You have to choose. You either have to go to Rome or Auckland. But maybe she's a, you know what? Maybe she was a big Lord of the Rings fan and she was like, <laughs> <laughs> I could film this movie in New Zealand and maybe get onto the Lord of the Rings set. Maybe. Because that was like peak Lord of the Rings time. Although her accent <laughs> leaves something to be desired. <laughs> yeah, you know, I kind of blocked this movie out of my brain, but upon... You know, seeing the trailer for it, remembering who else is in this with her, I did have a vague recollection that I probably had seen this movie once or twice in my youth. Did you watch it purely because you were a big um, Spencer Breslin fan? No. <laughs> 
you didn't you haven't told the podcast that you're actually Spencer Breslin's biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that is slightly off brand, though I did watch quite a few films that he was in exactly. as a child. <laughs> I know you did. As did you, I'm sure. None are coming to immediate. I know I must have because he feels like someone who was just always there. But I feel like I have definitely seen more Abigail Breslin than Spencer Breslin films overall. Oh, yeah, Spencer Breslin was in that horrifying Cat in the Hat movie oh, d- with Dakota Fanning <laughs> and Mike Myers. That could have been what killed both of their careers. This is why you rarely see Spencer or Dakota anymore and their siblings are just... I mean, of course I saw the Santa Claus 3. I saw all the Santa Claus movies. Oh yeah, and Spencer also made an appearance in the Princess Diaries 2 royal engagement, as did (laughs) Abigail, but in entirely different roles. He got to play a prince, and she had to play a peasant child of Genovia. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he was around. You jumped into the content so fast, you didn't give me a chance to talk about my Bobby Bones revelation once again. I I didn't think that that was, that was not the other thing that I was referencing, but what was your Bobby Bones revelation? Okay, so I spent the last week watching a lot of the more recent decomps, just because, you know, I'm curious. I watched them all as a child, but I probably aged out around the, like, 2009, 2010, like... Camp Rock 2 Princess Protection Program era. So there's a whole decade of decoms that I have not seen. So first I dived into, dived, dove? Who's to say? I watched- The dictionary. (laughs) I watched the Descendants trilogy in a mere 24 hours, which is a little embarrassing to admit, but one was a slow burn, two was- god tier and three was solid too so it was a worthwhile venture to me nobody elevates a sequel quite like kenny ortega so i was happy about it then after that i was like what do i watch next so i watched zombies starring meg donnelly from american housewife and milo Mannheim who we have already discussed on the podcast as a runner-up to Bobby Bones on Dancing with the Stars. And after watching Milo move in Zombies, you know, along with his really good performance in Dancing with the Stars, but it made me even more furious that Bobby Bones won over him. Because this guy can dance. Wait, so your Bobby Bones revelation was basically you saw something that made you come to the same conclusion that you had before? It made me matter, though. That's not a revelation. That's just okay. confirmation. <laughs> okay, my Bobby Bones confirmation. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, no, what I was referencing in this two for one is that our quest to find where Lelaine disappeared to also led us to. <laughs> she's like taking over the podcast now to another Christy Carlson Romano video on YouTube, where she invites Lelaine out to the quote-unquote boonies so they can make spaghetti together. Yeah, she hosted a YouTube series for a while called Christie's Kitchen, <laughs> and Lelaine was one of our guests, rocking a very Miranda tartan hat. Yeah, that it turns out that's just who she is. It's not. It has nothing to do with Miranda. That's just Lelaine. It took some weird turns. At one point, Christie's husband appears, and they just start talking about Holland Oats. 
they're just two goats in a boat. Yeah, maybe we should watch Kim Possible next so that we can just keep the Christy Carlson no, Romano trade a- going. <laughs> This is not a Christy Carlson Romano <laughs> podcast. No. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like in the video though, um, Christy Carlson Romano does ask Lelaine about the Lizzie McGuire movie, right? They talked about specific moments from the show. Oh, okay. They talked about the, they made spaghetti and meatballs because of the episode, the Gordo gets the girl episode where they end up with spaghetti and meatballs over dumped all over them. Yeah, they themselves. talk about two of the worst. Yeah, like the Miranda cross-dressing episode and the Miranda has a maybe eating disorder episode. Yes, Inner Beauty, which I've documented several times is one of my least favorite episodes. <laughs> Some interesting takes. Some really interesting takes. And then, yeah, Christy Cross Romano is like, this is a family recipe. And I'm, I mean, I'm sure it's great if that's your kind of thing it just looks like regular meatballs to me i didn't see what made it all that special family recipes are sacred oh okay i cannot even believe that she shared them with (laughs) the entire internet that's true it does feel a little bit um you know sacrilegious to to violate that unspoken code i'm sorry i digress i just really wanted to unload my very decom week I know, and we weren't even talking about any of those decoms on the podcast. But we could. We were talking about this one, You Wish. You Wish. Based on a novel, not called something else. It's based on Jackie French Kohler's 1991 novel, If I Had One Wish. If I Had One Wish. Have you read that book? No. Have you heard of that book? No. Nonetheless, Disney producers read the book and were like, this would make a great film. And we have just the guy, AJ Trouth, who I am unfamiliar with because I don't watch any Disney Channel content, but apparently he was in the Disney universe already. Yeah, yeah. He played like a secondary character on Even Stevens and in Kim Possible. Did you remember him from those shows? No, honestly, I was not the biggest fan of even Stevens for no real reason like I just don't remember watching a lot of it because you know what <laughs> there's a non-zero chance AJ Trout has shown up in a Christy Carlson Romano YouTube video <laughs> as an even Stevens alumnus and Kim Possible and Kim Possible alumnus two for two I wonder to yes. the YouTube <laughs> yes, see I have seen every episode of Kim Possible He seems to have fallen out of acting. He does not seem to be someone who stuck with this as a career choice. Yeah, his last credit was from 2005, which honestly, I respect that. I respect all of these like secondary Disney characters of my youth. Like I also had this realization that TikTok just seems to be the place where all of these like child actors of our youth just Mm -hmm. now exist and you can kind of just see what's up with them i had quite an affinity toward like jason dolly and drew seely and jason dolly's like a twitch streamer now oh yeah yeah it's just all of these people i respect that though just like doing your child actor thing and then just peacing out and living your life (laughs) i will say though a quick google search does make it seem like over the past year or two, AJ Trouth has come out of the woodwork to 
you know, have to contribute to several like even Stevens related pieces of content, be it podcasts or like cast reunions. So it does seem like people are searching for him, even if he is not <laughs> putting himself out there. Oh, if we had known that, maybe we could have gotten him on the podcast to talk about You Wish. Got him, got him on the podcast today. Yes. After watching the movie yesterday, yeah. we could have called him after we finished the movie yesterday and been like, hey, you up? Do you want to come on the podcast? Stranger things have happened. We're still in a pandemic. I mean, you wouldn't know that by <laughs> the way everyone is acting, but it is true. Just slide into the DMs. I mean, if we reach, if we get in touch with AJ Trout, I'm not, I'm not even sure I'm saying his last name right. I'm not sure either, but that's how I would pronounce it, so we'll go with it. I'm not sure if he would join us on the podcast, but, you know, if so, we'll throw it up and, you know, you can listen to that. But I find I, I highly I find it highly unlikely. But anyway, you wish. Should we should we get the podcast going? Sure. So You Wish is a two thousand three Disney Channel original movie starring AJ Trout. Spencer Breslin, La Lane, and Tim Reed of Sister Sister Fame. That was such a fun recognition. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my God, it's Ray. And in You Wish, 16-year-old Alex, played by AJ Trouth, is fed up with his little brother Stevie, played by Spencer Breslin. So much so that when he receives a magic coin, Alex wishes Stevie would disappear. However, when Stevie does indeed magically disappear... Alex realizes the life he had is the one he actually wants. So pretty simple concept. Yeah, I mean, we we've seen this film before, right? Like this is a pretty common device, this idea that if you could change your life and then that change is indeed enacted, you then realize that that isn't the life you want. I would go back. I mean, this has been, yeah, you're right. This has been done forever. I would even put like the, it's a wonderful life. Like I wish I'd never been born in this, in this category. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Arguably one of the most famous films of yeah. all time. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. People seem uh, online. People had generally mixed reviews. I feel like, like the Rotten Tomatoes audience score was a 46. So pretty low, pretty rotten. But I feel like on other websites, people are generally like, it was pretty positive. They found the humor to be endearing. I must say, I was pretty down on the movie until one specific part, which I don't want to spoil right now. But um, overall, it was probably fine. And if that if that moment hadn't been in the movie, it would have been <laughs> less than that for me. It would have been just kind of boring. I know that we're speaking vaguely, but it's worth the wait. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. I think that there is a lot to like about this movie. I think that the fact that it is at its core about a sibling relationship, the between brothers is interesting. And I think that it did a fairly good and like authentic job of capturing that like older sibling versus the youngest sibling dynamic But I just think that the plot was too, like there wasn't a whole lot going on outside of this very linear A story. Yeah. And I feel like 
maybe there was a little bit of depth to Alex and Stevie and to some extent Abby, who is Lelaine's character. But then Alex, Abby, and their best friend James are presented as a trio. And ultimately, we learn like very little about James. James feels very just kind of there. And I feel the same way kind of about like the the jock and the cheerleader like they're kind of very one note. There's not much going on behind <laughs> behind the the character. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that it feels very like when you are writing an early draft and you put a lot of time and effort into your key players, mm-hmm. but then you don't go back and kind of flesh out the world building and the secondary characters. Even the parents were very one note to me. It had potential, I think. I think there could have been more. And I think a lot of the events that happen specifically that involve Larry, which is the character played by Tim Reed, were not well explained. And there were a lot of like deus ex machina moments. I don't know why I just said machina with like the with like the Hebrew, (laughs) but it happened and I don't don't take it back. And I think that the one thing that I really, really could not pin down about this movie was obviously we've mentioned several times already. It was filmed in Auckland, New Zealand, but it was clearly not supposed to take place in Auckland, New Zealand. So why they were filming in Auckland, New Zealand was very random and bizarre to me. It seemed like. And this is another thing that confuses me because I also watched it behind the scenes. And Tim Reed says that they are trying to make it look like middle America. But in the movie, it feels like they want it to be New York City. It feels like they want to pretend that Alex lives like outside New York City and that, you know, his dad works in the city and it's pretty easy for him to get there. So I was just a little bit confused. Yeah, again, on the world building, the setting is confounding to say the least and then they they keep pretending that it's new york city but then they'll show the skyline of a city that's clearly not (laughs) new york there's like a giant spire (laughs) that is in auckland new zealand (laughs) yeah and it's interesting too because like half the cast are these you know at the time pretty recognizable american actors and then half the cast they just like seem to grab locally like the actors who play his parents seem to be fairly well known in New Zealand as is the bully character so it's very interesting I really am confused from like a production standpoint what was going on here it's very hard for me to believe that it was cheaper for them to fly everybody out to New Zealand and do it there than to do it in like Atlanta or like Vancouver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think there are a lot of fun moments and lines. Why don't we just jump in and start talking about the movie? Okay. We start off in the woods. Classic. Nerf gun, water gun. What what I mean, what was being shot out of these Nerf guns? Like slime? It's, goo? Yeah, it seemed like slime. Some classic slime wars. And it is, we, we meet Stevie, Spencer Breslin's character, so the little brother, Alex, the big brother, and they're a team versus Lelaine's character, Abby, and their other friend, James. Abby and James win, and Stevie and Alex get slimed. 
And the thing that really struck me with this opening scene, so then we see them like roller skating. That's a very like big part of Alex's character is that he's a jock, kind of. We'll get into that whole situation, but he also loves to roller skate with his friends. And he is at some point going to teach Stevie how to roller skate. Now, when the movie starts, my thing is like, there seems to be a really nice relationship between Alex and Stevie. I was really kind of confused as to where the plot was going to go based on the description because they do have such a lovely, he seems like a good big brother. He, I mean, yeah, the problems that I think they wanted to seem, they obviously want Alex to be like a good big brother. And then there's just some things that Stevie does that just get on Alex's nerves. And I feel like they want it to seem almost like it's a mistake. And even the way that he ends up like wishing Stevie away eventually is kind of like just kind of brushed off as like a small thing. He's like, well, right now I would wish this. Um, but in this moment, yeah, I mean, it's Stevie's fault that they get found kind of by Abby and James, but regardless, you know, Alex doesn't get super mad at him. Um, the other thing we learned about Alex in this scene is that, um, he's very much into coins. Like, uh, (laughs) he likes collecting old coins. He's going to go to the coin expo on Sunday, which I don't think we ever see. No, does that just end up being like going to the mall to like coin world? Like... I I assumed that Coin Expo was something different. Yeah, I did too, but we never saw it. We never saw it, no. But yeah, so then after this like group hang, they go home. We are introduced to their parents and we learn that there is a pet expo happening and lots <laughs> of expos. Yeah. <laughs> and It is time to get a pet. And so this is where we see how Stevie starts to grate a little bit because it is very much the youngest child in the family is running the house and has their parents wrapped around their finger. Um, Alex really wants a dog and he finds a dog that he wants at this expo. Stevie originally wanted a rabbit but they didn't have rabbits, so his next logical step was a turkey. Because <laughs> that's the logical step to take. Alex's issue feels like it's not necessarily with Stevie, because Stevie can be annoying, but I feel like if he really searched within himself, his issue is with his parents. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but he just he can't see past the Stevie of it all. The real issue, though, is his parents. Oh, yeah, his parents are total pushovers. Who are whack. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they are absolutely the problem. Because like you said, Stevie can be and is, quite frankly, a little jerk. But he is not disciplined for that. And that's not on him. That is on the parenting. Yeah, so they come home. And this is where we first meet Gary the bully. (laughs) (laughs) so here's my thing about this whole subplot it's very confusing to me that so alex in addition to being a skater boy he said see you later boy he's also on the football team why are all the other football players so mean to him 
Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it seems like they're in the same grade. I was going to say maybe he's younger than them and they're hazing him, but it seems like they're all in the same grade. Like that is just never explained what the, like, if your teammates, aren't you supposed to be, you don't have to be friends, but you don't have to be like actively hostile. That's true. But nonetheless, Gary is, and <laughs> they see the turkey <laughs> and Gary is like, basically like, what is that? Which leads us to the turkey, a big stupid. <laughs> Yeah, and then Alex tells Stevie to go inside and proceeds to get a pizza to the face. That's the that apparently is like the bully's go-to move is like throwing a pizza in the face, which feels like such an inefficient use of money and pizza. Yeah, what a waste of a perfectly good pizza. I mean, it didn't look like a good pizza. It did look like a pretty bad pizza, the way that it kind of like just fell apart. And- <laughs> like all the cheese just like slid up. <laughs> I get that it's a terrible pizza. It still feels like a waste of pizza. If you put it back in the oven, there's a small chance you could bring it back to life. And then we cue a flashback sequence. Narrated by Alex. Yeah. That wasn't the first time Stevie messed me up. I think the movie does a good job of showing us what's happening and this family dynamic. So I don't know why they still feel the need to really just spell it out verbatim like you were doing the thing you were showing and now you just told they need the flashback in there i mean we see alex making a basket in the driveway but dad misses it to catch stevie not even walking like the mom is clearly holding him up so it's not like true walking i don't even know what it is um but yeah stevie is always the always takes center stage he's wrecking alex's life yeah so then we're you know we're still at their house we get this scene in the kitchen and the parent is acting like having a turkey in their house is completely normal and chill these parents are ridiculous like (laughs) you're allowed to say no when your child wants something stupid (laughs) yeah but like they're very flat characters but there is something familiar to me about the way they treat their youngest child. And I think that you know what that is. I've just to say I've seen this before. I've never seen someone own a turkey as a pet before. I've never seen a turkey pet. Maybe chickens. This chicken's dirty. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's such a wild scene. (laughs) You know, Stevie is not around. This causes immediate suspicion. Alex is like, where's Stevie? And Stevie is, of course, in Alex's room going through his stuff, which was that ever like a plot point in your childhood? A little bit. There was definitely like stuff that I liked that I didn't want touched that, you know, my little brother would inherently like want to play with because it was mine. So I I do feel like this is a relatable situation. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that sometimes, you know, as fellow oldest siblings. <laughs> but but the idea that I could hand, because then Alex is like, you know what? You're banned from my room for two weeks. The idea that I could hand down that punishment is ridiculous. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and the fact that that punishment would be like um, respected is, uh, there's no chance. So after this scolding by Alex, 
Stevie then, like the little dirt is, yells to his parents that Alex is hurting him, which is like a wild and untrue accusation to just fling out there. Very untrue, but like it clearly works. Like this is not this oh, yeah, is a this learned is how behavior. It goes. And now Alex is in trouble. But Alex is also kind of soft. So later that night, he lets Stevie hang out with him again. And they watch some generic horror movie together. Alex, this is why you get bullied. You can't be so soft. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. I just, I do appreciate this sibling dynamic on display. And I think there's an authenticity to it that we don't often see. Yeah. Like taking it back to Lizzie McGuire, I felt like their sibling dynamic was so like the same every time. And it was so like stereotypical, annoying little brother bothers the big sister most of the time. And, you know, I really just enjoy seeing siblings who like do annoy each other, but they also, you know, generally love each other. Yeah. It's refreshing. So then we cut to breakfast the next morning. The situation escalates. Once again, Stevie is in Alex's room touching his stuff. When Alex sees it's just like a Nerf football, he's like, oh, that's fine. And then they toss it back and forth. He's like, this is how you properly throw a football. Very endearing. Very cute. But then Alex notices something. Stevie is hiding behind his hamper. Why is he hiding behind his hamper? Because he is wearing... Alex's skates and not only is he wearing Alex's skates he got jelly an undisclosed variety of jelly (laughs) all over them bizarre big no-no for Alex another thing that happens before this dad the dad tells Alex that he might be a little late for his game today I don't understand why they want they insist on this (laughs) this dad just being just so mediocre but then when they go to the game dad is there (laughs) <laughs> why is this line thrown in but um yeah so anyways alex chases stevie down the hall i'm gonna get you stevie runs straight to his mom and the mom is not impressed with what's going on alex you will be babysitting next weekend no questions no questions and alex is like "Ugh!" and his friend james meets him outside his house to go presumably to go to school together we spend a little bit of time where Alex is complaining about Stevie. You know, he's 10 years old and he runs the house. But James isn't really here to listen to that. He's like, but I think you like your brother. Yeah. And there's like an example as well. Did you write down that example? Um, Apparently know. some kid was like drowning in the fountain. That's hyperbolic. But oh, <laughs> there's news that a kid was like drowning in the fountain. And Alex was like very stressed out that it might have been Stevie. And it wasn't. And unclear what happened to that child. <laughs> oh my God, dark. That's, that's what I mean, happened. I feel like not wanting your brother to die is a pretty low bar to clear. I mean, it is a low bar, but we got it. Yeah. So it's there. Cut to the football game. Skip school, straight to football. Alex is on the team, but he doesn't really seem to play the game. Yeah, he rides the bench. Um, and this is where we meet Fiona. Fiona is a cheerleader. And Alex has a crush on her. She is going to go over to Alex and be like, are you Alex? And Alex is like, yes. And in the crowd, Stevie has recruited a bunch of anonymous people (laughs) to hold up signs saying like, go Alex. 
Fiona is like, that's very embarrassing, but it's actually, you know, it's supportive. It's a nice thing that Stevie did for Alex and Alex can't, he can't handle it. No. (laughs) Falls apart. I wanted better for Fiona in terms of like her characterization. Like she was just a cheerleader who could not associate with losers. She, she is very Kate like here. Even, yeah. even in the fact that when Alex gets called into the game, he accidentally runs into Fiona and like knocks her into the into the mud. Oh, yeah. And then the face full of mud. Yeah. That is definitely a Kate experience, to say the least. It is. And uh, Alex is actually not great at football. Maybe that's why his team is so mean to him. <laughs> we get some backstory at one point that he had always wanted to go to football camp, but... They could not afford it. They had Stevie instead. <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes. Yeah. And then we cut to school the next day. It's a lunch scene. And you know who's really good at a lunch scene? Lelaine. Good old yeah. cafeteria sequence. In many ways, Lelaine does just play Miranda. Oh, yeah. But like a slightly enhanced version of Miranda. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's She serves the same purpose, but like you said, she is... The romantic interest. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, she's like, so you had a bad game. Stop moping. Then Alex sees Fiona, you know, out in the distance and just completely ignores Abby, goes over to her. So dense. So (laughs) dense. And as if, again, we didn't understand what was happening, we get another very extremely on the nose line where Abby says, you know, Sometimes you really like somebody and they don't even know you're alive. I can relate. Later, so this is this was before lunch. So now we're at lunch and she keeps telling him to get over himself. And she asks him if he wants to go skating with her on Saturday. He doesn't. He does not. <laughs> yeah. We also learn in this scene that Alex is very jealous of Gary, despite the fact that Gary bullies him. He thinks that Gary's life is perfect. Yeah, he's good at football. He gets the girl. That's all there is to life. That's all there is. Yeah. So he wishes, basically, he could just be Gary. Yeah. And, you know, Abby is, you know, stung by the rejection. She gets up and James is like, why'd you do that? You love skating with Abby. And Alex is like, she didn't ask me to go skating with her. She asked me to go Skating. Alex wants to leave her. his options open. <laughs> <laughs> he can't be cornered like, like this. Like this is a date. I don't know. Like this whole insinuation here that Abby isn't cool enough for him. Leave it. <laughs> you yeah. can do better. Abby. Yep. So then we cut to a mall. And maybe they went to Auckland for this mall because this is a wild mall. Yeah. It's kind of like space themed. Like science fiction. It looks like there's at least four floors. Yeah. Full arcade. So we have Alex, James, and Stevie. Stevie tags along because Alex is babysitting. Stevie, for whatever reason, is not allowed to go into the coin shop with them. He has to stay on a bench outside and not move. (laughs) And you know immediately that this is not going to work. No. Um, So he leaves... Stevie alone for like two seconds and somehow Stevie is already saving a man's life. Stevie's a hero. (laughs) So this is where 
Tim Reed enters the the movie. He is the owner of uh, Coin World, so maybe this is the expo. That's um, what I think. But outside of his store, someone has just left French fries. At first, I thought it was Alex. Like I thought Alex had sabotaged Tim Reed because they first show Alex holding a bunch of French fries and quarters. But apparently, these are just loose, miscellaneous rogue French fries that almost kill Tim Reed. But don't worry, Stevie's there to catch him. And as a reward, he gets a fancy coin that is good for one wish. Be very careful with it. And then Stevie pieces out, heads to the arcade, as anyone would do. I don't blame him for that. He's like, Alex is the bench warmer in this family, not I. And so very quickly, or maybe it's not that quickly. At at some point, so time passes, Coin World is about to close. Alex is just pulled out of this coin trance that he is in. And he looks toward the bench and, oh my God, where is Stevie? So then we get the sequence basically where he starts running around the mall looking for Stevie and it's a bunch of like missed moments. Ships in the night, yes. Ships in the night, yes. They're like, he gets to the arcade too late. Like Stevie's already heading back to the coin shop. They pass each other on the escalator a couple times. And finally, Stevie finds a security guard and he just does the worst thing he could have done for Alex in this situation. He says, can you call my mom? Which, (laughs) in his defense, he is only 10. It would be scary to be in a mall alone. This is bad news for Alex. Yeah, Alex is grounded for a month. No more coin world. And (laughs) this was a major setback in the responsibility department. And Alex is like, I told him to stay on the bed. Like the parents don't think that Stevie is responsible for anything or that like, like they put too much responsibility on Alex, I think for Stevie's decisions at this point, like Alex needed to get, you know, one of those like child leashes. Yeah. yeah. And just like <laughs> Stevie's like 10, 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, sure. We can child leash Stevie. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Like, I really felt for Alex here because he tried to keep his sibling, you know, within within eyeshot. I don't know. Like, what do you think is going on here? I personally am like, Stevie should also be equally punished in this situation. There's a couple things uh, at fault here. Obviously, like, the parents just, where did they go? unclear why did (laughs) why was alex needed to babysit i don't know but yeah i agree with you i think that to some extent stevie needs to be held responsible for his own decisions and walking off at the same time alex could have let stevie come into the store especially considering that he saved this man's life um rather than just making him sit on a bench outside true but at the same time they act like stevie is like four like by the time you're 10 you don't just like wander off without any sort of like awareness of what you're doing you know really it's the parents fault it really is they're they're bad parents so after his punishment is doled out we get this like angsty scene in his bedroom he like angrily turns the page in the magazine that he's reading you know like runs a hand through his hair like like peak angst Mm mm-hmm Stevie is that kid who like he's a little shit and then he thinks that he can just kind of like apologize it away. Every time 
So he comes in with the apology and with the coin. And he gives the coin to Alex and says, you get one wish. And this is where it all, this is where it all happens. And like you mentioned before, the wish is kind of delivered as an afterthought. Yeah, it's not a very like strong wish. It's kind of just a non-committal wish that derails his whole life. Now, days are going to pass in the dream world or the wish world. Unclear whether they pass <laughs> at the same time in the current universe. Um, but, you know, that's a question for another time. Yeah, we have now entered the multiverse. Yes. Um, and in the multiverse, there is no turkey. Uh, they got a dog, just like Alex wanted. A really kind of nasty bulldog. <laughs> that just drools. Not only that, he's a football star. There's trophies everywhere. He's got a fancy computer and a fancy book for his coins. Yeah, and his living room is an arcade. And Stevie's room is a gym. Yeah. And I mean, like, everything is different to the point where, like, his house is painted a different color. It's super blue. It's super blue. Yeah. You know, he runs into his parents. He thinks that this is all some kind of joke. At first, he keeps asking where Stevie is. And they're like, who's Stevie? Stevie has been erased from all the family photos. We get this really, like, if I'm, again, his parents make no sense because they're all like, (laughs) Alex, what what is going on with you? But like, if I was his parents in this moment, I would be way more concerned than they are. Like how concerned they are at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, that escalated really quickly. <laughs> the insinuation here also is that without Stevie around, uh, Alex's parents are much more successful. Like Stevie is really just bringing down the the GDP of the household. Yeah, they're both in these like fancy work suits. They have a they have a Dodge Viper. I didn't realize that that car was like a big deal. Oh yeah, very fancy sports car. Yeah, they both have these like big undisclosed office jobs. <laughs> and yeah, Alex is, you know, where Stevie, I I have a little brother and his mom is like, "Are you lonely? Do you wish you had a little brother?" <laughs> That's when it clicks. That this was the doing of the coin. Also, Alex's hair is different. He has a more sort of clean cut haircut. It's more like Ethan Kraft hair. Whereas yeah. before, it was just very straggly. Also, okay, so the the wildest part of this entire movie, and I understand that this is like sort of a function of the film and how it works, is that like Spencer Breslin still even exists, but just as like an entirely different person to entirely different parents. His name is Terrence Russell McCormick. He's a child actor on a show called Where's Stevie? Yeah. And this is what sets up kind of like a a who's on first kind of bit when Alex sees (laughs) Terrence Russell McCormick on the screen. Are you okay? Stevie, he's on the television. Every week? I didn't think you liked that show. What show? Where's Stevie? He's on the television. Alex, I don't understand. It's Stevie. Right, from the TV show. What TV show? Where's Stevie? He's on the television. Honey, uh, what's the joke? I'm a little dense this morning. Me too. Where's Stevie? He's on the television. (laughs) Yeah. And the conclusion that Alex comes to is that this is basically a win-win-win-win. Because both his parents are now richer 
and well, and you know, they have more impressive material items. He's an only child and Terrence Russell McCormick is a very successful child star. Yeah. I... Win times four. A four by four win. <laughs> four for four. I thought that like the three name child actor was a funny nod to other child actors. Oh yeah, like who who comes to mind for you? Like Jason Taylor Thomas. <laughs> it's Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> Oh no, that's so embarrassing. You're definitely going to keep it. <laughs> JTT. Oh my god, the JTT stands are gonna oh, come no, after you, you now. You can't include that. I have to. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. I was thinking you were gonna go like Haley Joel Osment. And Haley Joel Osment, yeah, that was going to be my next one. I'm surprised you didn't just go Christy Carlson. Christy Carlson. <laughs> Instead, you go Jason Taylor Thomas, who doesn't exist. Oh, my God. Wow, I really just played myself. Yeah, you really dropped the ball there. I really just set myself up for a bit and then just crashed and burned. Threw the football for you, and you just pulled an Alex. (laughs) It's okay. I take my losses in stride. (laughs) You can't have it all. Yeah. But anyways, so now we are at school, and in Alex's new life, his nickname is Bling, which is a little weird. Is it like, is it, what's it referencing to it? Um, I'm assuming that he just plays a very flashy game, plays with some bling. Okay. So his nickname is Bling. His girlfriend is Fiona. Gary is his best bro. And he doesn't talk to Abby or James. He throws parties at his house. There's going to be a party at his house tonight. Yeah. He's just a super cool guy. He has to like talk himself up in the bathroom, which is a little bit awkward because there's someone else in the bathroom, but whatever. He's ready to go. He goes into class and he sits down in the wrong chair. Um, He sits down next to Abby and starts talking to her and both Abby and Fiona are like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Why? His seat should be next to Fiona. (laughs) So this prompts him to straight up like (laughs) Spider-Man cartwheel. Over like the back desk. flip into his seat. <laughs> yeah, also in this alternate universe, physics don't exist. Yeah, and in this universe, Abby holds a lot of what feels like unwarranted animosity toward Alex. Uh, sexual tension, you mean. But it's not. <laughs> it's It's really not. She kind of insinuates that he only gets good grades because his teachers pad them because he is the football star. There's no proof of this. He could legitimately be a B-plus student. If Abby got a B, there is no way that Alex organically <laughs> got a B-plus. Excuse me. Like, I'm sorry, Abby, but maybe you should study harder. And then you could be a B-plus student rather than a B student. Yeah, it's like this is the era of DCOMs where you could really and truly only be one thing. Like, yeah. you could not be a jock and smart. That would just break the order of the universe. Yeah, but I would assume, like... Obviously, we don't know what kind of a student he is in universe number one, like the original universe, but I would assume that he would be roughly the same amount of smart in either universe. Well, if anything, this alternate universe could have upped his intelligence quotient. That's true. They could afford a tutor. Yeah. (laughs) Privilege. So, yeah, he might be a legitimate B-plus student, Abby. Jeez. Yeah, it's so funny seeing those types of scenarios and stereotypes play out because it's just so 
does not ring true to an actual high school experience where like jocks and AP students were one and the same Yeah, at our school, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Don't judge a book by its cover, Abby. So this transitions into another football game. So we really do, like structurally, I'm realizing that we really do get just like the same scenes over and over. <laughs> just like I mean, for now. played out differently. He is the starting quarterback for his football team. He's not magically good at football in this world. I mean, not in, not initially, right? Because it takes him a second to get his legs under him. Um, he gets sacked at first, big sack. But then, yeah, Dad I comes- even wrote that down. I know football terminology. Oh yeah, I know what a sack is. So he's he gets straight sacked and he gets benched. But then Dad comes down and is like, "Hey, remember what you learned at football camp?" And then it all clicks for him. Yeah, and then he's a star. Then we get a successful football montage. There are a lot of montages in this movie. But this is not the best montage. (laughs) Not by a long shot. So then we get this like wild transition into the next scene, which is the party scene. Mm -hmm. It's almost like this like psychedelic cityscape, quick zoom in and out situation. I mean, that's what makes me think that it's supposed to be near New York. It's like these kind of things where they're showing a city that seems to be New York and they just make very, like, I feel like his dad in this universe works on Wall Street or something like they said. Yeah. So cut to the party at Alex's house. Now, okay, I was taking notes during this part, so I'm not 100% certain, but did his dad show up at the party? Yeah, his dad forgot his, um like, noise-canceling earbuds or something like that. Noise-canceling earbuds? It is the year 2003. Or maybe he said earplugs. I don't know. But yeah, his dad He is, forgot his AirPods. <laughs> <laughs> He's there, though. Yeah. And then one thing that was wild, Fiona grabs Alex and is like, what happened at the beginning of the game? You took one sack? How dare you? If you ever get sacked again, this is it. We are through. <laughs> yeah, Fiona is so concerned with preserving her image which isn't a very good one so I don't really understand her like again justice for this character because (laughs) she is awful yeah she's not great and it only takes like this is what his second interaction with her third interaction I guess hallway classroom party for Alex to be like wow I should have gone I should have just gone rollerblading with Abby (laughs) yeah He's like, Fiona, will you go rollerblading with me? And she's like, no, only freaks go rollerblading. (laughs) What? In this universe, James is the pizza face guy. And he also works for like a a Chick-fil-A-esque situation. Yeah, he's a delivery guy. He's a delivery guy. Um, So he shows up. He gets a pizza in the face. And this makes Alex sad because just yesterday, he got a pizza to the face. The turkey, a big stupid. <laughs> so he knows what it feels like. He tries to run off after James, but he pedals away on his bike too swiftly. So this cuts to the next scene where they're back at school and Alex is going to find James in the library to try and apologize. And James is like, man, what's your problem? <laughs> yeah, don't apologize to me, super jock. <laughs> Again, Fiona, horrible. She's like, why are you talking to these nerds? 
Yeah, you're talking to Abby and James, and this makes me look like a loser. I have an image to uphold. Yeah, stop talking to these L-O-S-S-E-R-S losers. And then Alex is like, I'm not going to listen to you. So he ditches Fiona to go sit with Abby, who he calls abs a lot. Like that, like that's supposed to be an endearing, like Abby is short enough of a name. You don't need to shorten a short name. I don't know though, that, that second still, I can, like, it's a miracle I get to the third syllable in your name, honestly. <laughs> yeah, that'd be like you being like, ma. ma. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't work. <laughs> and she just doesn't want anything to do with him. Again, all of this really, like, intense animosity does not quite feel warranted. This is the one time where I did want a bit of backstory because it feels like there should be an inciting incident somewhere as to why. Yeah, because it does seem like in this universe, it's not necessarily that Alex has done anything mean to Abby. They just don't interact at all. Yeah, so why is she so angry every time they do? I Yeah, she, at this point, she's going she's gonna to go got milk, <laughs> good throwback, yeah. and just dump milk on his head. Oh my gosh, that truly took me back to getting milk dumped on your head no to that like propaganda got milk campaign that just like convinced an entire generation into believing that our bones would just like wither and crack (laughs) in half if we didn't drink enough milk got milk but i digress that is once again a story for another podcast yeah yes so Later on, Alex comes home from school. His dad tries to talk to him. It doesn't go very well. I mean, like, it's kind of like a throwaway scene, in my opinion. Like, he's like, Alex, you seem kind of distracted. What's going on? Alex is, like, flipping through his coin collection. It's like, oh, you haven't haven't touched your coins in forever. And then in an attempt to connect with his teenage son, he starts speaking in hip-hop slang. Which is a little cringy, to yeah. say the least. Don't love it. This is going to lead into, what, what number montage is this now? <laughs> another, three? Yeah. Is I this feel, the third montage? Yeah, maybe montage number three. And here's something that goes pretty um, unmentioned throughout the, uh, the movie. It seems like in this universe, Abby has a boyfriend. Really? Yeah, because in this montage, they're back at school, and Alex is looking at Abby, and she's with this tall kid. And he's putting his arm around her and they're walking down the hall. See, I missed that because I was taking notes and that's never acknowledged or addressed at any point in this movie. This guy. So unclear who that guy is, where he came from, what his deal is, how what like how close he and Abby are. That's it's, wild. It's so random. That's so random. Uh, so yeah, this is the, oh, maybe my perfect life isn't so perfect montage. I like the music in this montage. The music generally is good, but the Lelaine song is not good, especially when you compare it to the Hilary Duff songs in the Lizzie McGuire movie. Yeah, it's a real miss. I don't know if it's her own fault or like... It's probably not. I don't think it's her fault. Necess- like she's a, you know, her, she's a pretty good, like she's a decent singer, but not. they didn't give her great material to work with. No. Yeah. But yeah, so after montage number three... We are back at the mall. Wait, we didn't go through the whole montage. Okay. I guess I just really want to get to the best montage. <laughs> I feel like we're going to spend way too much time talking about it. But there are, I mean, the things that make Alex feel like this is not the best reality. So he sees James again and James like 
walks the other direction. He's forced to go shopping at the mall with Fiona. Um, he sees other kids playing with water guns and just feels really nostalgic. This water gun scene like won't go away. It comes back time and time again throughout the movie. And then again, he sees Stevie on the uh, television and there's a giant poster of Stevie at the mall. Yeah. That's like what adopt a sibling. Adopt a sibling. Yeah, exactly. Adopt a brother for life. Yes. (laughs) So then we're at the mall. Where Abby is just kind of randomly manning a raffle table. That's like a raffle to help the homeless. That's the thing. Okay, so like what do we really know about Abby? It's like she likes to roller skate. We know the most like useless facts about her. We know that her snack preferences are disgusting. She has a cat. It's like nothing. It's all surface level things. Yeah, we don't know what makes Abby Abby. We don't know what she wants. I guess just Alex, right? Yeah, and it's interesting to me because you would think that she would be slightly more developed in this spot because it's not like Alex Manic Pixie Dream Girls her. Like, he's not into her. No, that would be Fiona. We don't really get the dynamic that I think they want us to get out of this. Like, we don't really see how they're best friends at all. all. Like, we... I I love a good like friends to lovers arc, but they're not really giving it to me (laughs) in this film, unfortunately. Because they're not friends, (laughs) at least in this universe. Well, even in the other universe, there wasn't enough substance to those early interactions to really make me believe in them or root for them as a couple. Mm -hmm. We see what's going on with Larry in this universe. And because Stevie was not there to save him, The French fry incident still happened, and he now has a broken leg and is wheelchair-bound. Yes. Poor Larry. Yeah, we learned that Abby is really struggling at her job, but don't worry. Alex is going to buy three tickets just so he can keep chatting her up. Yeah, he just really wants to go skating. Nobody wants to skate with him in this world. Yeah, too bad. She doesn't like him. No. No. Then... We cut to the next scene in this universe. His like, wait, you missed the football dudes come and get him. And the thing that the football kids do, they just go, dude, 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 and like punch bread. Ugh. <laughs> this is a productive ritual. Yes. That they have. Now, can I talk about how in this world the dog ruins his skates, anyways? Yes. Yeah, it's like everything that went wrong in the previous universe still goes wrong like it's very it's very weird to me how like the rules of this multiverse there are no rules <laughs> what do you mean and this one he's spider-man yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i keep thinking about how that that desk sequence r- nearly rivals joshua bassett's spidey move in high school musical the musical the series i don't even know if i know what you're talking about in the song, during the song when they're like dancing in the cafeteria to save Miss Jen, and he fully Spider Man's onto a table. Oh, physics don't exist there either. Gotcha. Yeah. Also, in this universe, there's no such thing as funny pancakes anymore. You have a pop up waffle, but we're not gonna name drop Ego. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're pop up waffles. They're just pop up like, waffles. What is up with pop up waffles? <laughs> Aren't we all? We're all like, what is up with pop up waffles? Yeah. Parents are going to work, even though it's Saturday. There's a big sort of like 10th anniversary for the partners 
at the firm that his mom works at. Um, coincidentally, it's the same night. On a Saturday night, they're going to have an athletic award ceremony at the school on a Saturday. Yeah, so if this was the moment where for a second I thought this movie was going to turn into Groundhog's Day because he just seemed very confounded <laughs> by it being Saturday. That would be too many were- themes going on. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Now is he just like reliving the same one day in this universe? Yeah, he's living the same one day in an alternate reality. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you never know with these movies. I mean, yeah, maybe we should maybe we should jump on that. As they said in in the Disney Channel original movie, Zombies, who would have thought that a zombie and a cheerleader could save the world? Like, you just never know where these things are going to go, is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. (laughs) There is a box of, like, old toys in the garage to give away, to donate, and... It turns out that in the other world, these were all of Stevie's favorite hand-me-downs. So Alex is feeling quite nostalgic. His heart is heavy. Um, and then he just falls down the <laughs> stairs. It's just like it's such a random gag that happens. Yeah, I was just thinking that he, because he falls down the stairs for no reason. There's no payoff for him falling down the stairs. It's literally just so we can watch him fall down the stairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of mean. So cut to the awards ceremony. That his parents do make it to. The amount of people who came out for this Saturday (laughs) Athletic Awards is baffling to me. Even Abby is there, who hates all of them. Why is she at a Saturday Athletic Awards ceremony? Yeah, she's like reading in the audience. And I'm like, girl, why are you here? Go home. Go be with your boyfriend. Yeah, so Maybe her boyfriend is also... Well, no, I, I just... Given how much she hates Alex, I just feel like her boyfriend would not be receiving an athletic award not only does alex get an award but he has to deliver a speech and it's a it's a real uh you know windy road kind of speech oh yeah it's off the rails yeah that leads to i don't deserve this because i'm not the real alex lansing jk lol but wouldn't that be funny but it's true (laughs) it's just like that's really the tone of this speech that leads us to try to appreciate what you got because someday it might not be there and you're really going to miss him miss it him it stevie stevie yeah Yeah. winning awards is great but there's also other stuff (laughs) (laughs) that was my favorite line from the speech and then after the ceremony his parents are like want a pop-up waffle He's like, I don't want a pop-up waffle. I just want my life back. (laughs) Such a good line. (laughs) Uh, I should have clipped that one. And then we get our first um, sort of deus ex machina moment where we learn that none other than Terrence Russell McCormick is coming to town to film a movie. How convenient. Yes, very convenient. And that gives Alex the perfect idea. He'll just go stalk this child. Yeah. (laughs) That'll work beautifully. Yeah. So now he's just going to like sneak into the studio. He'll talk to Stevie slash Terrence. He'll make him understand. I don't really understand what the plan is really, but that seems to be the plan. Yeah. No, that that is the plan because then it cuts right to him literally like 
<laughs> snooping around outside the stage door like, how will I get in? Um, he gets trash dumped on him for no reason. And then, what do you know, deus ex machina number two, he stands up, and who should bump into him but former best friend James here to deliver some chicken. This chicken's dirty. <laughs> he jumped the gun, though, because first there is an altercation over the chicken. <laughs> and this is a wild scene because yeah. Alex is like, oh, this is perfect. So I can deliver the chicken. And he's like, he's trying to get James to agree to this. And he's just like, I seriously have to deliver that chicken. Okay. It's personal. It's personal. <laughs> Um, so then he overpays James. Well, no, that's what he says after the true altercation where he tries to grab the chicken away from James and James grabs it back. The chicken <laughs> falls onto the ground. <laughs> he then picks up the chicken and puts it back into the carton. These are like sort of McNugget type chicken situations. They can just be nuggets. They, they don't need to be McNuggets <laughs> in this situation. <laughs> They're just chicken nuggets. <laughs> yeah, no, James should immediately be fired from his job. He was going to serve Terrence Russell McCormick dirty chicken. <laughs> this chicken's dirty. <laughs> not yes. only was he going to, he did. He, he did by way of Alex. Well, not only is Alex going to take the chicken, apparently he paid enough where James is also going to give him his delivery boy uniform to borrow. Yeah, he has to wear the wear the whole shtick, you know. Yeah, the just whole, give the it whole back. Chicken suit. Just give it back by five. Um, spoiler alert: he doesn't. So I'm assuming James will lose his job anyways. <laughs> so yes, that leads us into the chicken delivery and the moment that you have already spoiled like twelve times, but just play it again. This chicken's dirty. <laughs> And Terrence Russell McCormick is right. This chicken is dirty. <laughs> you should throw it in the trash. Yeah, he throws it straight in the trash. Then he's like, oh, oh, okay, I understand. You want an autograph. What is your name? And he's like, it's me, Alex. So then Terrence signs his headshot to me, Alex, which I thought was a funny little detail. And we learned very quickly that Terrence Russell McCormick does not have the happy childhood that it would seem. Terrence Russell McCormick is very different from Stevie. Um, Terrence Russell McCormick is, it seems like much more verbose. Um, definitely much more like, I guess for lack of a better word, like mature than Stevie. Like they're clearly like very different people. Well, the entertainment industry will do that to you. Stevie feels very juvenile. He doesn't really talk much and he kind of doesn't know how to take care of himself, but it seems like in a lot of ways, Terrence Russell McCormick has become very self-sufficient, which makes it a little bit weird that Alex still feels like he connects with this kid who's clearly like very different from his brother. Yeah, I agree. But in many ways, it's like Terrence Russell McCormick had this very adult life as a child and you kind of see him yearning to just get to be a regular kid stevie asks alex to run some lines with him um, terrence russell mccormick oh my god <laughs> you're right terrence russell mccormick <laughs> apologies asks alex to run some lines with him does a magic trick for him that fails we then meet terrence russell mccormick's handler uh, a woman named zoe and she's like 
the parents, I guess, quote unquote, in his life because Stephen, uh, sorry, not Stevie, Terrence Russell McCormick's <laughs> parents uh, are very absent in his life generally. This was a really random subplot. It seems like his mom is just in search of a man. That's yeah. what she does all day. And his father is just not in the picture. So Zoe is like, hey, guess what? I have this great new role for you. You get to play a regular kid. And Terrence Russell McCormick is like, but I don't know how to be a regular kid. <laughs> and then Alex is like, I could show you. Here is my address. Here, <laughs> Let me tell you about all the things we did together and all the time we spent together. Um, you're actually my little brother. And rightfully so, Terrence Russell McCormick calls security. Uh, as he should. As what he a should. what a creep. Yeah. Quote, there's a lunatic in here who thinks I'm his brother. I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah. So Alex is escorted out. Cue the moment that, as Sam said to me while we were while we were watching, bumped this movie up from a three to a six. Yeah, no, at the beginning, this was quite a slog for me. I, I would probably have rated this movie up to this point. I feel like this is about an hour into the movie. So about two thirds in, maybe a little bit more. This movie is, a it's a textbook three. <laughs> it's very slow. Um, the jokes, some are hitting, but most are missing. But this moment automatically doubled the rating up to a six. And I just have to say... <laughs> fully broke our brains a thousand miles by vanessa carlton just swells and starts to play leading to the craziest montage i would go so far as to say of any disney i haven't seen that many of any disney channel original movie ever made don't at me (laughs) as someone who has seen a lot of decoms and montages this I can confirm that this might be one of the greatest montages of all time. <laughs> I cannot believe that they got the rights to the song. This was a very popular song. Yeah. No, this was the song of 2002. I think it was, I think I was reading it was like nominated for song of the year and like lost to don't know why, which I'm sorry. Don't know why is a terrible song. Yeah, so I, I don't, don't know why. <laughs> so a thousand miles definitely should have won, but I could, Anything set to a thousand miles, like any piece of cinema with a thousand miles playing <laughs> in the background is just a plus cinema. And it's very hard to do it wrong. This movie did it perfectly. Well, it's like, have any opening notes been more iconic? I mean, there are definitely some. But like of that, of that era, like, I feel like it's in the category of like, why can't I? And like, of just like, it's so emblematic of its time oh i was gonna say like uh (laughs) complicated and complicated yeah (laughs) or um is the song called everywhere the michelle branch song from that yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i was like i don't know if it's that's actually the title of the song or i just think it is because it's like the first word of the chorus (laughs) yeah um but yeah it's like very it just takes you back and so in this montage alex is walking through a city Oh, it's very on the nose. Alex is, in fact, making his way downtown. <laughs> he is wa- He is indeed walking fast. The faces do pass. And he's homebound. And he-, <laughs> <laughs> he is staring blankly ahead as he is making his way through the crowd. 
please know that this is not copyright infringement. This is literally what happens in the movie. We just coincidentally happen to be describing two things simultaneously, <laughs> the song and the events that are unfolding in the movie. But yeah, he's walking through, again, it feels like New York City. It feels like they're intercutting like New York City streets. Yeah, like theater district, like yeah. midtown shots. It's very kind of like things are fading in and out. He's remembering all of his fun times with Stevie and Abby and James. Yeah, because he needs them and he misses them. And then he wonders. And then we get this beautiful shot of the sky. <laughs> yeah, if he could fall into the sky, cue yeah. the sky. <laughs> um, yeah, he would. he would walk a thousand miles if he could just see his brother tonight. <laughs> But like it's his brother, it's Abby, <laughs> it's James. It's really all encompassing. It really is. He's he would walk a thousand miles toward his old life if he could just hold that. And then, as if it couldn't get any better, we get the we get the like the key, we get the key change right. Like we get that final chorus. Yeah. And then it starts to fade out. <laughs> I feel like this is the third time, third week in a row we've mentioned a key change. Sorry, Ivan. <laughs> But I feel like most songs have like the final chorus key change. Not most songs. A lot of songs. 10% of songs have a last chorus key change. Oh my God. No, it's way more than that. It's no. Okay. I digress. You know, the music starts to fade. The melody starts to soften. Who does Alex see? He sees Google Gobble, the turkey. <laughs> who is being you, taken you think away it's the same turkey i just assumed it was a generic turkey you're no. saying it's literally the same turkey he literally says google gobble he says gobble gobble Who's no he Google-gobble? says google gobble that's the name of the turkey there's no that's way the he says, joke no but there's no way he was saying no tur- turkeys don't say google google gobble that's what's that is what stevie named the turkey go to that moment i am not wrong we watched this montage like four times <laughs> okay i was wrong (laughs) and google gobble is being taken away to get murdered yeah he's getting loaded into a truck the truck starts to drive away alex runs after it slamming his hand on the back yelling stop and the car (laughs) and google gobble just drives away oh my god peak comedy and that and now we're invested now we're like okay yeah this was I'm not going to say perfectly timed. If this was a little bit earlier, it might have been perfectly timed. But it was timed well enough that it did pull me back in and was like, this is the strength I needed to finish the movie, (laughs) to get through these last 20 minutes. Yeah, because this is an 84-minute movie. And let me just say, it is a long 84 minutes. (laughs) Yes. So this montage ends. We cut into a POV switch, like a third act (laughs) perspective switch. To Stevie, a.k.a. Terrence Russell McCormick. It is really hard with the two names here. Um, In the back of a limo, he sees Alex, the boy who he just, you know, kicked out of the studio. But now Terrence is like, pull over. Hey, I want to talk to that guy. (laughs) Yeah. And um, forget what happened earlier. They're going to do a classic escape from the limo driver so that we can have a day in the city on our own even though alex is a full-on stranger to this child and alex needs to return james's chicken costume by five 
I don't even think Alex had the chicken costume during this montage, did he? He has to still have it. Where would it be? You think he threw? You think he just threw away the chicken costume? Does he have a backpack? No. But so where's um, the chicken costume? I assume just underneath his regular clothes. No, there was like a hat. Well, I can't answer all of this. But yeah, so Alex is a little skeptical of this. He's like, you want to hang out with me after you just kicked me out? And he's like, eh, don't worry about it. They're <laughs> friends now, apparently. They, yes, this is how friendships begin. And they run through the city and they stop at this kind of like one of those rides you see outside a grocery store. And Terrence Russell McCormick is all about it. He's like, I've never ridden one of these before. And he drops a quarter as he's trying to pay. And this is the spark that Alex needed. This is the inspiration. Yeah, I mean, once again, this just exhibits how badly Terrence Russell McCormick just wants to be a kid. I think I get it now, right? Like why Abby is so perturbed by him and like the whole like intelligence thing because he does seem a little dense right like how is this the (laughs) first time the coin is occurring to him yeah because he does look for the coin immediately after and he's like oh no i guess like it's just gone (laughs) this is it but this is this is the moment that makes him think wait larry must still have it because he never sold it to stevie and now they need to find larry and the only lead they have is the raffle ticket that Larry filled out and gave to, you guessed it, Abby. Yes, and that brings us to Abby's house. Alex just really spills all here. He's like, yeah, you know that weird speech I made at the award night? Yeah, it's true. I'm from the multiverse. Well, not only that, first they go to Coin World, and Coin World is permanently closed. Oh, yeah. How could I forget? So this is really, truly the only lead. Yeah, and Abby... At first, she doesn't buy it, but she buys it. Then she buys in really quickly. She's like, prove that you're from a different dimension. Okay, I believe you. (laughs) Yeah, he knows things about her that nobody else knows. Like how her favorite snack is mustard and sugar sandwiches. Disgusting. And Abby is like, don't worry, people slip into the wrong dimension all the time. (laughs) That was a good line. So first, Alex stalks Terrence Russell McCormick. Now... He enlists Terrence Russell McCormick and Abby to stalk Larry. Yeah. Um, They found his info and they just are going to show up at his apartment. Unfortunately, there are a lot of stairs at this apartment and Larry's a little bit incapacitated now. So he has to go straight to a retirement (laughs) manor. (laughs) Yeah, he lives in like a haunted house retirement center. Yeah, he lives in our Canton, Ohio Airbnb. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) So don't worry, they're going to take a little tram alone at night, evading police, and go to the retirement manor. Yeah, which is like a full Victorian mansion. On the way there, um, Alex and Abby are going to have kind of a moment. Yeah, it's kind of a weird moment because Abby, you know, asks Alex if Fiona was his girlfriend in another life. Alex is like, nah, actually the closest thing I had to a girlfriend was you. She's like, so in this parallel universe, you're more of a jerk. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, I want, again, for the romance piece, I, again, I wanted more here. I don't know. I just don't feel the chemistry between them that I need to feel. Well, there wasn't ultimately a lot of romance and we can get to this more at the end, but yeah. it never really goes anywhere. Yeah, 
it well, is a very G-rated romance. Yeah, it's like, well, Lane left Lizzie McGuire to be an underdeveloped B story. At least in Lizzie McGuire, she would have been a developed B story. With an existing fan base. Yes. Yeah. But anyways, they get... With a theatrical release. With Yeah, that's true. With a theatrical release. And hey, maybe she could have duetted on one of the songs. Yeah. Yeah. They eventually get to the retirement manor. They find Larry. And yeah, they just walk in. <laughs> just... And Larry, they pull him out of accordion practice, and he doesn't have the coins anymore. He only has a very small selection of coins, and most of them he lost when the shop closed. Womp, womp. No, they just walk in to this facility. They're like, we're here to see Larry Pendragon. That's his last name, Pendragon. And he's just like, hey, that's me. Like, no questions. Nothing sus about this at all. He may, it does seem like he recognizes at least um, Abby. Yeah, that's that's true, but it's still weird. It is still weird. He also says as they're leaving, like, that he's like, I'm going to miss you kids. But, like, why? (laughs) It's so weird. It's so random. Alex brings Abby home, and he, I wrote, he nails the goodbye, which definitely means he did not. And then... Stevie and Alex are promptly, sorry, Terrence Russell McCormick and Alex are promptly caught by the police. The police have found them. They bring them back to Alex's house. A little strange that they would go to his house first before dropping Terrence Russell McCormick off at his hotel. But yeah, Zoe doesn't want any trouble. So, you know, they're going to just, this is water under the bridge. They're going to pretend that this never happened. His mom calls and... He says, hi, Penelope. Like, that's how he answers the phone. And we don't hear her side of the conversation, but we just hear Terrence Russell McCormick say, congratulations, and then do I have to start calling him dad? (laughs) I know. So presumably, Penelope finds a man. Yeah. And then they leave, and Alex is just, like, watching through the window (laughs) as they leave. Yeah, it's very come clean. Oh, I'm watching out the window. Oh, I was going to say it's very um, Dear Evan Hansen. Ugh, why are we talking about this? <laughs> then it's the next day. Alex is starting to, you know, go off the rails a little bit. He is, you know, talking back more aggressively to his parents. He's like, Dad, stop calling me bling. I'm Alex. His dad's just bringing him a gift, an early something gift. An early birthday gift, yeah. And what do you know? It's a bunch of old coins. If I, again, the the density of this child, it's like, <laughs> wouldn't your first thought now to be, oh, maybe this is how I obtain the coin in this universe. Let me look through the coins. But he's so in upset. All fa- in all fairness, this is another huge Deus Ex Machina moment. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. The the third. <laughs> yeah, it's up there. I'm sure there's others that we missed, but yeah, no. It's just such a wild conclusion to leap to. Like, oh, just the thing that will save me is in this package that I just happened to receive. Yeah. (laughs) Completely unearned. Uh, I wish that I could just write plots like this. Uh, Yeah, don't we all? have that be acceptable. Yeah. I wish I was writing DCOMs in 2003. (laughs) But don't worry. What is Alice going to do with this box of coins? Throw it on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Against the wall, but sure, I'll let you have that. This is the point where his parents 
finally start to think that maybe he's having some kind of like psychotic episode. It <laughs> Alex, escalates really are you quickly. Okay? <laughs> like all of a sudden they're like, we're going to call the fire department. Well, in another, in another hint that physics don't exist in this world, the coin that Alex needs <laughs> lands on its side. Yeah. So it's standing vertically <laughs> so he can see it. He's like, wait, is that? Oh my goodness. It is. Let me just grab. Oh no, it almost falls into the grate, but it doesn't. <laughs> Wild. And then he's like, I need to be very careful about how I word this wish, since apparently anything I say can be construed as a wish, even the most offhand comment. Yeah. Um, so he, he doesn't lands need to be on, that careful. Yeah, he, he lands on, I wish I never made the first wish. Uh, boom. Wakes up the next morning and everything changes back. Yeah. So and, what day is it <laughs> in universe number one? And was it all a dream? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Everything is back. Stevie's room is back. Google Gobble is back. Stevie is back. Stevie crashed Alex's bike, but Alex doesn't care. Big hug in the rain. And here are James and Abby. And he asks Abby if she wants to go skating. Boom. Then it's over, right? That's it. Well, no. And then Fiona drives by and Alex is like, Fiona, you're not my boyfriend. Girlfriend. Oh, sorry. You're not my girlfriend. Yes. Yeah, that uh, that was another good one. Um, Your computer died. Yes. <laughs> this is where I leave you. But there is one scene at the end where... Abby and Alex are finally teaching Stevie how to skate like they promised they would do at the beginning of the movie. And at this point now, Stevie has the coin back. Larry also shows up at the park with the bulldog. And then I thought it was going to end here where it was like setting up a sequel where Stevie could make a wish that sets up an entire new film, which is probably what I would have recommended if I was doing that because sequels are where it's at. But they ruin it because Stevie just wishes to be good at skating immediately. What a waste of a wish. <laughs> and that was You Wish. That was You Wish. Um, what a wild movie. Again, the best part, by far, Vanessa Carlton montage. The montage to end all montages. Yeah, if you just, I would say you can skip 95% of the movie, but if you're going to watch the movie, definitely make it, <laughs> between an hour and an hour and two minutes. <laughs> I would say if you take the time to listen to this podcast, it is definitely worth going into that movie and just skipping to that one hour mark and watching the montage. Yeah, I would say so too. Like, please, it, it is peak cinema. It is a literal music video. <laughs> I mean, I honestly, now that I think about it, I don't know that I've actually seen the real music video, but I don't know that it could top the montage in this movie. <laughs> it really just, I can't even, I can't even. That was like one of those moments where I wish we had captured our initial reaction. I feel like we had to rewind it, it like so, two or three times. It was so pure. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think that this movie had a lot of potential. Um, Again, just sort of like some lackluster world building and secondary characters. But I do think that there is an earnestness to it that's very emblematic of this era of decom movies. Yeah, that's fair. I think that we have to look at this in the context of Lillian, right? Because I feel like she must have had a choice. And I can't help but think she made the incorrect choice in the long run. That makes me wonder. And I, I don't like to... Sp- 
speculate too much like on the podcast, but she needs to write a memoir. Like I want to know what happened. Yeah. What happened to Lillane? Yeah. Um, I want it from her. I don't want to like, like I said, speculate and embellish and like, I don't want to start like, cause I love Lillane. No, me too. And that's why I wish that we had seen her. Like, I don't have, I feel like this movie, like it's fun today, but it will go like in and out of my brain within a week. And I feel like the fact that Lillane is not in the Lizzie McGuire movie is just so bizarre. Obviously, she wasn't in the last episodes of like the show, but I feel like those episodes aired after the Lizzie McGuire movie anyways. Like, I don't know exactly where the Lizzie McGuire fit into the timeline of the season two rollout, but I feel like Lillane was still showing up in a bunch of those episodes at that time. Yeah, it was a little, we would have to go back to our Lizzie McGuire notes, but I do know that the movie like nonsensically released somewhere in like the (laughs) second half of season two. Yeah. I think they tried to like tee it up so that we would see the episodes where eighth grade ends and then the movie happens. But then that was when we like weirdly went back in time Mm -hmm. after that. So lots of choices were made. It was nice to see Lillane in another project. I want justice for the um the like Lillane spinoff with um with Selena Gomez. Yeah. Like if I could dig up if someone out in the multiverse has that pilot and would let us watch it, we would be very grateful. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. So all in all, this movie was a three star movie bumped up to a six star movie. And I would say at the end, it probably came back down to a four or five out of 10. I would agree with that. So right in line with the Rotten Tomatoes score for me, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have an MVP from the film? I would say my MVP from the film, it's uh, it's honestly probably Abby as Lillane. As Lillane. Yeah. It's between her and Terrence Russell McCormick. He wouldn't throw Alex a bone. He's really trying in this movie. I don't even think he does anything inherently wrong. I don't, well, there's his obsession with Fiona. Yeah, but there's nothing like in terms of like the actual. It's not that he does anything wrong. It's just, it just that he feels doesn't do like anything right. He just actively <laughs> tries to like sabotage himself. <laughs> yeah. And it takes him like a dis- like an unreasonably long time to figure out his best course of action. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, I think it goes to Terrence Russell McCormick, if anything, for this chicken is dirty. Um, no, I feel like it, I, I would give it to Abby because I feel like even though we don't learn that much about her, she is there to support them. She's there to make sure that Alex realizes what he's missing in his life. And also she's there to dump the milk on his head And, you know, she's the first person to be like, you know what? I believe that you're from an alternate reality and I'm going to help you. So a good showing for Lillane overall? Um, it's a, it's a, it's an okay showing from Lillane for me. Obviously like this didn't, this wasn't a huge role. I feel like the fact that she is the MVP is not great for the movie overall. That's fair. I just feel a sense of peace that we did in fact find out where Miranda went. This is not Mexico City. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She went to Auckland. Cool. So I think that that is a wrap 
Well, on... Were there any other, were there any early 2000s outfits that really caught your eye? Like this shirt that just says freak? <laughs> I wasn't very impressed by the wardrobe in this movie overall. Really? Even the, even the Abby outfits? Like he's wearing a t-shirt, then like a half zip and then a full, so he's wearing like too many layers. Is it cold? Is it winter? Yeah, he doesn't look very skater boy, but I feel like they make James look skater boy, his best friend. Yeah, he's very like spiky hair, collared shirt with a long sleeve shirt under it. I don't know. I just, there wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot to me that was distinct. I feel like the, the style of this film almost makes it feel more dated than it is. Yeah. Like it's a very like washed out color palette. But did you have anything to say about Terrence Russell McCormick's outfit, though? That drop crotch on a 10-year-old? This one. (laughs) Appropriation. (laughs) See, that is a very large chicken hat helmet situation. That was not in the montage. It was not. I guess he, yeah, he threw it away. Cool. So that is a wrap on You Wish. I, for one... I'm glad that we did this. I thought it was fun. Sam, where are we going next? We do have a plan we do, this week for we next week. We do have week. a plan for next week. So obviously next week is premier, is broadcast premiere week. And woo! I mean, I would uh, yes. Woo. Okay. <laughs> and obviously here at the Outfit Repeaters, we have been awaiting with bated breath the return of our favorite broadcast show, the CBS reality competition series, Survivor. (laughs) And I feel like there's no better way to celebrate the return of Survivor than to bring to the podcast something that we have been brainstorming for quite some time. And that will, of course, be uh, a simulated season of Survivor featuring characters from the world of Lizzie McGuire in Survivor, Hurt versus Tired, Versus Hungry, um, my friend Kiara Walcott, who has been on the podcast before, will join us on the podcast again to run through the season, and we will find out who will outwit, outplay, and outlast all the other Lizzie McGuire characters and become the sole survivor. I'm hurt, I'm tired, I'm hungry, and I wish they'd vote me off this island. You might just get your wish, Lizzie. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I mean, I think it's a very full circle moment as well to kind of round out our Lizzie McGuire coverage with this podcast because maybe I'm speaking too soon, but I mean, this will definitely be the last time we're talking about like Lizzie McGuire characters. I don't even know that I would necessarily say that. There's all the books that we haven't read. Okay, that's fair to say. But like in our, you know, outfit repeaters world, I feel like this is almost the end of an era. It is. And if we go back, back to the beginning, we recall that, you know, the first few episodes of Lizzie McGuire was really like hot and heavy with the survivor drops. They were of the moment. I feel like there was a survivor reference in the movie too. Was there? I don't remember. I just felt like there was, and I didn't write it down. Yeah, but we had so many overt, like, there was like a Richard Hatch name drop. There was. (laughs) Remember that? There was the um, Borneo tribes. 
Yes. In When Moms Attack. Yes, Tagi, Tagi, yeah. And Pagong. Yeah. So I think that, I mean, this is very, you know, indulgent of us to do, but who is to say that this does not tie into Lizzie McGuire? So I'm very excited. Me too. I can't wait. So that will be next week. And as always, you can follow us at Alpha Repeat Pod on Twitter and email us at Alpha Repeaters Podcast at gmail.com. If you listen to this episode and you're curious about any of the episodes that we recorded earlier, you can find those either at our website, www.paginatedmedia.com slash outfit repeaters or on any platform our podcasts are available. Yeah, and we will see you next week with Survivor. Hurt versus tired versus hungry. <laughs>